Thank you for listening to the Voices of UMass Chan podcast, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of UMass Chan Medical School. This podcast is produced by the Medical School's Office of Communications. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this new episode of the Voices of UMass Chan. I'm Jennifer Berryman, Vice Chancellor for Communications. Today, two physicians who have been on the front lines addressing the mental health crisis among adolescents in central and western Massachusetts, one phone call at a time. Access to child psychiatry has been a significant challenge for years. And two years into COVID-19, the demand for psychiatric and psychological services is at an all-time high. The mental health of America's young people so fragile that the U.S. Surgeon General issued an urgent public health advisory in December. I'd like to welcome two experts from UMass Chan Medical School who play key roles within the Massachusetts Child Psychiatry Access Program, also known as MCPAP. Dr. Yael DeVere is an Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Pediatrics. She's also Medical Director of the UMass Chan MCPAP site, and Dr. Bruce Waslick is an Associate Professor of Psychiatry at UMass Chan Bay State, where he is the team MCPAP Director at that site. Welcome to both of you. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. So Drs. DeVere and Waslick, some of the recent data that is being reported is jarring. Uh, recent research covering 80,000 youth globally found depressive and anxiety symptoms doubled during the pandemic, a quarter of youth experiencing depressive symptoms and nearly that many experiencing anxiety. That's according to JAMA Pediatrics. And the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported that emergency room visits for suspected suicide attempts by girls 12 to 17 was 50% higher in the early part of 2021 compared to the same time period in 2019. So, what is happening in the community to respond to this urgent need? Well, I'll start, you know, Jennifer, it's been a challenge, I think, in terms of uh, the, the demand for the kids and the families. It's been a real community level stress. Uh, lots of families are looking for mental health services. We've also, during the, the uh, pandemic, we, we've seen um, some diminishment of some of the services that were available. A lot of the uh, psychotherapy and even some of the psychiatry has switched over to a telehealth format. Uh, we've seen reductions at, at Bay State in terms of uh, the, the scope of our uh, partial hospital program, which provides services for kids who are on the, the more severe end of the spectrum. Um, it's been a real challenge keeping up with the, need, with the, with the demand for services We've done our best, you know, we've tried to get our services up and running and provide the therapy and psychiatry services that are needed, but it's been a real challenge at this point. Dr. DeVere, can you speak to that? So I think um, there are multiples level, multiple levels here, and we see those kids when they show up in the emergency room when there is an acute crisis, and we also see that there is a crisis of availability of inpatient beds when that is the level of care that kids need. It's true across the state, but it's actually true across the country. And we can see this with our colleagues in other places. There also is an increase in the number of kids who don't end up 
at the at the gate of the hospital and the emergency department and that's where McPap comes in so the most natural place that families seek help is actually with their primary care providers and that's where uh, we've been also seeing a significant increase in the number of requests for phone consultations and face-to-face -face evaluations and referrals to resources where as Bruce is saying we can only do as good as the resources available in the community. I will also say that there have been some initiatives across the state to improve things. So there are school districts that have started um, groups uh, sort of helping kids integrate back into classrooms after uh, they were absent. There are teams that create sort of diversions from hospital care. So there has been enhancement of community resources, but it just feels, I think, when you're a parent, that there isn't a direction to go. And that is the hardest piece of what's been going on, especially with all of the isolation. So I think you're right that the pediatrician's office would typically be the first step for a parent. So I wanna talk about MCPAP. Again, that stands for Massachusetts Child Psychiatry Access Program. Um, I wanna talk about how this model was developed in Massachusetts because really the key to this is taking a scarce resource, right, access to mental health providers and optimizing it, maximizing it. So can you talk, Dr. DeVere, about how the MCPAP model was developed in Massachusetts and what's, the, what's its goal? McPap actually started at UMass Worcester in 2003. There was a pilot program. Um, it was called Targeted Child Psychiatry Services. And it was thinking of a creative way to offer psychiatric consultation to pediatricians, as they are frequently, as you mentioned, the ones who are the first line folks to deal with this, but they don't necessarily have the training or the capacity or the access to ask somebody about what to do. In 2004, because it was so successful and was widely supported, so the Massachusetts chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics supported it, Department of Mental Health and MBHP uh, decided to adapt the model and implement it across the state. And that's when MCPAP was born as a statewide program. Um, in 2015, there was um, a strategic planning and they sort of changed how, how they deliver the care. And that's when UMass and Bay State partnered to become a regional team uh, and to offer better coverage across the week. I think what's also very important is that this is now a national model. So it's now in over 40 states and territories in the US have some sort of child psychiatry access program and it all started in Massachusetts. Um, so it's really been widely accepted as a very effective way to enhance access and expand capacity really. That's terrific that it's uh, spread so uh, broadly across the country. So Dr. Waslick, uh, together, of course, you run the Central and Western Massachusetts MCPAP team. Can you describe who is a part of the team and what do they do? Sure, each team has uh, folks who are uh, cl clinical staff and those include psychiatrists and behavioral health clinicians and also administrative staff. The administrative staff they interact directly with the primary care practices. They take phone calls from the practices, and then they 
whatever the question is coming from the practice, they try to get the clinician to be able to connect with the practice to try to answer the question through a phone consultation. So the clinicians will then talk to the primary care doctor, hear what's going on with their particular patient, try to answer their question over the phone. And many times we can provide phone consultations that are sufficient and the, 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 the pediatrician or the, the nurse practitioner gets what they need. Sometimes we set up what are called our face-to-face -face consultations. In those situations, the, the questions are a lot more complicated and they really need uh, the family to come in and see a child psychiatrist or the behavioral health clinician to do an interview, do a full sort of consultation appointment and try to get at what the concerns are. Um, usually at the end of that, we'll send a letter to the pediatrician with the uh, information we've collected during the consultation with very specific recommendations about what we think the child and the family needs. Um, and then the whole model is based on the primary care doctor becoming more involved with the mental health concerns of their kids. So we hope that in most of those cases, the primary care doctor will then take it from there and try to get the kids set up with the uh, recommendations coming from the consultants. Mm -hmm. and, and so while we're on that point, what, what is it that you want pediatricians, nurse practitioners, family practitioners to know about the MCPAT program? Well, from my perspective, what we want them to be able to do is to say, we're part of the mental health workforce. You know, we're pediatricians, we're not necessarily trained to do this, we're not psychiatrists, we're not mental health professionals, but we can be a part of the mental health workforce with the support we get from programs like MCPAP. So the, the, uh, the hopes that we have is that they, they recognize that they have a very important role in recognizing mental health issues in kids and getting access to the care they need. Usually that would be through contacting MCPAP. Um, and also at, we've, we've found over the years that as we do more and more consultations, the pediatricians learn tremendously about um, you know, the different types of problems we are, or we are seeing like ADHD and anxiety and depression and autism, and they become more skilled primary care providers in dealing with mental health issues. So we want to let them know we're here to help them um, but we also want them to become part of the workforce and part of a skilled workforce as we move forward. Right, that's terrific. So Dr. DeVere, feel free to add whatever it is that you wanted to just say, but also I'm curious if you can talk about what, it, what an average day as a consultant is like from your perspective. This is actually great because it's exactly what I meant to say. So my Thursday morning is my McPath phone shift. Um, and it's actually one of my favorite uh, days of the week because um, I love having phone conversations with the pediatricians who call in with questions um, because I think at least in our regions where the resources in the communities are even more sparse than they are in some other areas of the state, pediatricians are really going above and beyond and many of them have really uh, bought into this uh, concept of being part of the workforce and owning the care, the behavioral health care of their patients. I try very hard not to jump in and sol solve problems and answer questions, but my first question is, so what do you think would be helpful? And usually they already have a pretty solid idea and they might need support or they might need um, some help figuring out which one of the options that they're thinking of would make sense, or they might have very specific questions, but um, it's not my 
patient. It's their patient. I'm just there to sort of be a sounding board and to help bounce ideas off. And, and sometimes to say, you know what, this is really too much for this situation. Let's move this up to a different level. And I think what makes it uh, rewarding is that you do form relationships with the people that you have conversations on the phone about patients with. And you also notice that there is an increased level of comfort um, of comfort with certain with certain uh, suggestions. So a typical day is you get you get a sort of cue sent into your McPAP queue, letting you know that a pediatrician is called. We're supposed to return a call within fifteen to thirty minutes, uh, which most of the time works. Some days are busier than other, and it's hard. Um, and we just call the practice back and have this conversation and figure out what the next steps are. And as Bruce said, we can offer a face-to-face -face or we can suggest our resource and referral specialist to send resources to the primary care practice so that they can continue looking for what it is the best next step in the community for those families. I wonder what this is like from the family's perspective. Is, is McPap largely invisible? to the parents? McPap is largely invisible to the parents, um, although that's an interesting question. So it's designed as a consultation service to primary care providers. It is not designed as a consultation service to parents, but there are parents who have multiple kids who have been seen through McPap and they might call the pediatrician and say, can you please help us get a consultation through McPap because this was helpful to my child before. We did a few years ago look at what parents thought about the interaction. Um, but as Bruce said, the idea is that the pediatrician is really the front line. So it's not appropriate for the families to be in direct contact with the McPAP teams unless there is an actual face-to-face -face evaluation. But we should add that it is available through primary care physicians, uh, regardless of your family's insurance. Dr. Waslick, um, can you give us a sense of how the calls or the complexity of the cases that you're seeing has changed, if it has changed at all throughout the pandemic or, or even looking into your crystal ball? Like what, is the, what are the primary concerns you're seeing now? Well, I think one of the things that we've seen with McPap is that uh, the demand for the calls have increased. You know, Dr. DeVere recently published a paper with colleagues in the Journal of the American Medical Association demonstrating how many more calls are coming in and how many more contacts the McPap team is having uh, during the pandemic than what we were doing before the pandemic. Um, so the volume of calls have come in. You know, one of the big findings in that paper was the increase in uh, calls re regarding kids with autism. And I think one of the concerns about that was kids with developmental disabilities and autism spectrum disorders really uh, suffered during the pandemic. A lot of their special education services were closed off. A lot of the face-to-face, -face, um, what we call ABA services or psycho psychotherapy services were, were switched to telehealth, which is very challenging, I think, for families so those kids were suffering. So they were they were going. The families were going to the pediatricians more and asking for more help for the for their kids during the pandemic. But we've also seen a lot of increase in terms of anxiety and depression. Uh, people who probably, if we didn't have the pandemic, might not have had uh, serious clinical levels of anxiety or depression. Um, difficulties for kids uh, adapting to the uh, 
the change in school. Like some, some families and some kids love being at home from school and other folks couldn't learn, you know, virtually, you know, and they, they had too many other concerns going on. So we've seen some differences in different presentations. I think we've seen a lot more uh, anxiety and depression during the course of the pandemic, uh, concerns about uh, suicidality. And, you know, one of the things that happened with the, with the pandemic happened in Massachusetts, happened everywhere, is that there was actual loss. You know, people's families suffered greatly. There were, there were many, many kids who were affected by deaths from COVID. And then the economic stresses and challenges that the families had really affected the parents, the parents struggling, you know, to kind of get by, that was going to have effects on the kids. So it, it's been a massive community level stress that's affected everybody. And uh, the, the, the effects on families have been really, really significant. I'm glad you pointed that out. The multiple levels of stress and trauma and loss and change are challenging. So as, as we close up here, I want to give you each an opportunity um, to just share your best advice with parents. So if your children are suffering from the effects of isolation, the effects of the pandemic, anxiety, depression, stress, what, what advice would you give to parents? Dr. DeVere, start with you. With you, when you think about loss for children, there are the big things that we all consider loss, but then there are things like experiences that they were looking forward to having, participation on sports teams, sleepovers, birthday parties. Children can feel embarrassed to even share that that is something that they're sad about given everything that is going on. And I think that as adults, parents, teachers, coaches, being aware that that is developmentally appropriate for kids to be very upset about losses like this can really help. Um, having conversations that are eye-to-eye -eye level with a child about what they're worried about can be helpful. Um, I think that knowing that your pediatrician is the first place to go if you have concerns is really important. Sometimes parents don't think about that. They think that they need to be able to find behavioral health resources completely on their own, but there actually is a pretty good system out there to help pediatricians make that connection. That is also very important. The last uh, advice I would give is that kids really respond to how the adults in their life are doing. And so adults should manage their grown-up feelings, feelings as much as they can uh, and not necessarily have kids exposed to that. But at the same time, that is a really hard piece of advice to give to people who are struggling. And so know that access to behavioral health care for adults is also something that can make a big difference and impact on how the child is doing. So take care of yourself if you're a parent, because that will really have an impact on how your kid is going to be doing. I, I agree with all those that uh, Yale talked about, but I would underscore the issue that, you know, through 19 years of consolidated work, uh, the McPAP program is up and running in Massachusetts, and I think parents should feel confident that they can go to their pediatrician with questions about mental health concerns for any of the kids uh, in the family, 
and get pretty good assessment and advice. And the pediatricians, most of the pediatricians, the vast majority of pediatricians are connected to McPap on some level. So if the pediatrician can't answer their question, the pediatrician can turn to the McPap program to try to help any kind of questions that the families have. So I think my advice to parents has been pretty consistent for the past 15 years is that if you have a concern about your child or somebody else expresses a concern about your child, touch base with your primary care doctor, with your pediatrician. In Massachusetts, they're well-situated and well-trained to help uh, begin the, the process of answering any question or concerns that parents have. So with that, Drs. Yale DeVere and Bruce Waslick, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Massachusetts Child Psychiatry Access Program, or MCPAP, is available through, as we said, your child's primary care practice for all children and families, regardless of insurance. To learn more, go to www.mcpap.com. Thank you for listening. If you like the Voices of UMass Chan podcast, please subscribe. And if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, email us at umasschancommunications at umassmed.edu. And I hope you'll follow us on social media at UMass Chan. I'm Jennifer Barry. Follow UMass Chan Medical School on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Our handle is UMass Chan. On YouTube, find us at UMass Chan Medical School. Thank you.